As always, Indie Mixtape and all other products of Uppercut are brought to you by listeners and audience members. If you'd like what we do and want to keep that ball rolling, head on over to patreon.com slash uppercutcrit and check out the tiers we have on offer. These folks here have selected our $7 or $10 tiers, making them producers of the show. So without further ado, huge shoutouts and thanks to all of our patrons at these two levels. Mars, Slime Hunter, Boo It's Natalie, Christopher Franklin, Jay Holmes, Thomas Lewis, Chris Lawrence, Justin, Third Avenue Anti-Capitalist, TBS Kien, Katie Mayer, Dale, Chris Edgerton, Jesse Vitelli, Adept7777, Lucas Lyon, El Tantivy, Adrian A. Rock Williams, Matt Flowers, Andrew Sherman, Colton Crow, Jared Shu, Cam Koenig, and Quinton Hoffman. Thank you all. Day everyone and welcome to another episode of Indie Mixtape. My name is Ty and joining me today is my rotating co-host HB. How's it going? Hello! It's going extremely well. Never better. We're here today to talk about some ooky spooky, creepy crawly, scary little indie games for the the month of October, which is the month of Halloween, the whole month. Uh huh. So this is Halloween. This is Halloween. Um. So yeah, we're gonna get started with our mutual game, which is called uh How Fish Is Made. It's a twenty twenty two game. I want to say the I think the latest uh, I think the latest patches are in twenty twenty three, but it's a twenty twenty two game by Johanna Kusserinen. Uh, Martin Halden and Jeffrey Tomek, or also known as Wrong Organ. Yes, and I think together they're like Karasuga or something like that. Um, I can't remember; it's on itch, but it'll be linked. But at any rate, uh, this is a game where you are a slippery, 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 slidey, oily little sardine who is thrown down a weird hatch. And for some reason, you don't need water to, like, live. You can just be fine and flip-flop around like a silly little fish. Um, Which is my favorite part of the game, is moving around as the fish is so funny. It's so funny and very much in keeping with the themes of the game. It's it's beautiful. You're a little fish that's just, like, flopping around. You could be air-drowning. You're, like, on your side, so you can only see, like, one of its eyes... And it's and you're just like flopping around on your side to get through this like weird factory slash maybe a creature that ate you slash maybe both. It's kind of unclear. But basically you land and this weird fish is there and he tells you that you either have to choose to go up or down. Um mm-hmm. and so by the end of like this factory floor level or whatever, like you have to make that choice. And you don't really have any context of like what the choice means or where you go depending on which one you choose. 
So you just kind of have to make your way through this area. And as you do, you talk to other fish who are, you know, also going to have to make that choice. And some of them are like religious fanatical energy towards going up or down. Um, one of them has like, has a moment like in Happy Feet. Have you seen that movie? I have not. It's, it, oh my it's, God. it's one of George Miller's movies I have not seen. Okay. So in Happy Feet, there's like, when they're going on their hero's journey to like try and stop the humans from fucking everything up, um, they meet <laughs> Lovelace, who's like one of those little short penguins with the like little frilly eyebrows. And he has like a soda can plastic holder thing around his neck. Um, and he thinks it's like a sign from God that he's like a chosen prophet. Uh-huh. And this fish also has that exact thing. Yeah, just exactly that going on. It is literally that. I think it might be a reference to that. Um, it's so funny. Um, and yeah, a lot of the fish are just like really interesting, weird characters like that, where they're like, they have some kind of fanatical belief either about the way to go or about their own knowledge of where to go but yeah you just kind of flip-flop through this very creepy thing that seems like a hybrid of like a factory and also a living organism depending on like what sections you're in and then you finally get to the you finally get to the end and you have to make a choice Uh uh-huh i i really i really love how this game presents choice in general because there's a so like you said there's a lot of fish you run into who go like yeah you should go up or some say you should go down and then at the end, there's a fish that goes like, okay, so, now at last, you need to make your choice, whether you go up or you go down. And you talk to that fish, and it's like, uh, now, the important thing to remember is that what you were being tested on is not whether, you, is not whether you're going to pick the right option, but whether you stick to it with conviction. Now, the question is, have you been flip-flopping, or have you been committing to the thing you want to do? Then the fish just the fish just laughs and goes like, "Nah, I'm just fucking with you. I got no idea either." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it's all an illusion of choice." Yeah, well, the illusion of choice is like, uh... well, that's a big thing, right? This is what this whole game is doing because the whole game is less about like choosing up or choosing down. Like up and down are continue to be as abstract throughout the game as like they are initially presented. Really, basically every fish you run into offers you terrible advice. Because, you know, it's not really about being a fish, it's about feeling incredibly gross and depressed as games go. Yeah. Like, there's a... Uh, like, this like this starts at the basic aesthetics, right? There is, like, congealed fat everywhere, there are, like, these little trypophobia-inducing little lotus pods. I think, they're, I, think, I think lotus pods are what those are. Like, the fucked-up-looking things. There is like, I think yeah, you get little you get little snippets in there of like, <laughs> you get little snippets there of like little little like, almost like mental health advice is being given to you at some point, and one of them is like, uh, there's a really good line in there that's like, uh, I used to hate people telling me that you know a, a lot of other people are going through this because you know it feels like my pain is like particular. It's like not. Uh, it was like nobody hurts like my pain is like grander and better and all that yeah Yeah. and then that then that monologue ends with now now if it makes you feel any better a lot of people are feeling the same way as you do yeah 
uh, I really like the writing in this game and just the, like, it's obviously, like, trying to say something, but it's not, like, coming at you like, this is supposed to be, like, a deep experience. It's like, you are a silly fish. Yeah. You are flopping around. Things are gross and weird. And you gotta make a choice. Yeah. And I think and I think this would feel like a... I think this game would feel really oppressive, but it actually feels, like, very light on its feet. And part of it is that it's only 15 minutes long. Like, mm-hmm. it's, uh... It's an interesting pre- presentation of, like, mental health, specifically because this game is... I've written this down. It's about the length of a subway transfer. Like, you know what I'm... Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you step out of a train, go through a place as quickly as possible to get to the other side. It's like you're in that, uh... I hesitate to say this, but a kind of liminal space. Like, you're in a space between. There's just... There's yeah. nothing for you really I will here. say, HP, as an American, I don't have a lot of experience with uh, trains. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Well, it's it's like... Have you had to, like... Uh, have you had to, like, go through someplace else to get to, like, the thing that you need? It's kind of like... Like, yeah. I'm going through an airport yeah. is not really pleasant. But you just kind of got to get to the other end so you can get where you need to be. Yeah, that that rings more for me as a as a middle of the country American. <laughs> yeah, where there's just this there's just there's this nasty little feeling of liminality where you're like, okay, so I'm like I'm feeling low right now and I can't really do anything. I just kind of got to wait it out. Yeah, I mean, you truly the only thing is to just keep going. Yeah. Like you, 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 you can't go back. Because you literally got dropped through a weird chute. Yeah. So, yeah. It really just says, like, you gotta go. It's also nice, because, like, the game is, like, weird and, like, icky. And it seems like it's gonna be kind of scary. But then it's really not. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... I would say it's eerie at times. But it's not, like, scary. Yeah. Well, I think that's, like, that... There's the sense of camaraderie. There aren't, like... There aren't really, well, with one exception, there aren't really characters who are, uh, who are, like, uh, there aren't really characters who have any answers for you. There isn't anyone testing you. That's the thing. That's what the machine is doing. The machine is just, like, a, the machine is a processing machine. At the end of the game, you know, you choose where, which direction the machine is going to process you into, either up or down, and you don't really get much more context about the, about this, and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. There are two endings, depending on which one you pick, but both of them are, uh, well, let's just say, intriguing. (laughs) And, yeah, the... But the character who... The the character who I think, you know, constitutes the biggest exception of this, and I think you already know who I mean, is, uh... Well, it's an arthropod who eats and replaces the tongues of fish, living in them as a parasite. That was... The greatest moment in a video game I have ever experienced. Yeah. And I mean that so fucking seriously. Yeah, my god, I started playing this game and I was like, this guy gets a musical number? Yeah, like, I was I was recording my playthroughs to use for, like, TikTok promo for the podcast, and I'm so glad I was recording it because I got the entire musical number recorded just so that I can save it for, like, when I'm like, there's no way that was real that I could, like, uh-huh. 
watching. <laughs> yeah. It, it is important. Uh, it is important to note, this is a real creature. This is... Yeah. Uh, this is Simothoa exigua, the tongue-eating louse, as it's called. It, the thing it does is a real thing. Sometimes you catch a fish and it's in there. That's disgusting. That's probably the scariest part of the game. Yeah. It's, the musical number is a pretext for laying eggs in your mouth. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which which also fits in so well with like what the with like what this guy's deal is. Cause like uh, cause like what he's cause like what he's basically like, like what it's saying to you is it's saying like uh, it's kinda like it kinda has like a managerial vibe, you know? It's like the most managerial of all the characters in the game. Oh yeah. Which just kinda comes up to you and goes like, listen, you gotta you gotta look up, you gotta chin up, you gotta work, you gotta hustle, and that's how you get ahead in life. Yeah, it truly <laughs> says grind culture will get you through this. Yeah. And, like, uh, it's, like, such a incredibly, incredibly unsubtle metaphor, and that's what makes it so good. It's so funny. Yeah, I like that the game, like, is not really trying to be subtle. I like that, like, it's kind of just, like, laying it out for you and being yeah. like yeah this is like what we're talking about yeah well i think it's i think it's that but also that's i think the game just makes an incredibly good case for itself like by default because honestly a fish flopping around inside of a terrible machine is just about as like aesthetically coherent as any game that i've ever seen because like if you think about just the image of a fish flopping around it manages to like just just the texture of a fish. I don't know how much experience you have, like, handling fish, but the fish flopping around is both... Like, it manages to look, sound, feel, probably smell, as well as taste gross. Like, just all the oh, senses yeah. covered. It's gross oh, on literally yeah. every level. It's even morally gross. It really encaptures the, like, the corporateness of what this is, which adds, like, a extra level of creepiness because the processing factory also seems to have biological components and like uh -huh. a lot of the fish say they were eaten by a monster which at first i was like oh they're fish they think it's a monster but then like as you start going through there's like a section that looks like a spine and like ribs that you're passing under so like yeah it's it is a, a living something also um, that's then combined with this, like, factory processing equipment. And, yeah, so honestly, it's more of, like, the implications that this game presents you with a lot of the time that are, like, actually scary versus, like, what the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay is. But that little fucking parasite bug is sinister as hell because he's just got, like, extreme middle manager energy. Yeah. <laughs> like, he... Like he talks, I think at the very end he can like uh, he he says something like, "So, are you on board with all of this?" And you can tell him no. And he's gonna say, "Were you fucking stupid? <laughs> Get out of here!" <laughs> just, a just a glorious presentation to this game, just fucking dead on. Like I wasn't ready for a musical number of a creepy crawly little fucking parasite. Uh, telling me about hustling, but I loved it. Yeah, I love I loved it like I've loved very few things. You know, 
yeah that was like a truly special moment <laughs> in gaming for me i was like jaw dropped uh-huh. <laughs> never seen anything like it jaw dropped laughing out loud and then being like oh my god i'm just laughing just thinking about it it's incredible there's like bonus like additional um content for the game that came out and i'm like very intrigued mm-hmm. to check it oh, out I that i was going to and then i had like other shit that i had to do and i was like mm, okay i'm gonna come back yeah. um did you like it yeah uh, this is the expansion, the last one and then another. Mm-hmm. And it's a similar idea as the first game, but it's a bit more mechanically involved. In- instead of being just a lone fish flopping around, you are a rolling ball of fish and filth, absorbing other fish and fish bits, like just, just like a oh, big old okay. Katamari fish, I fish saw, fragments. I saw that, and I thought that was like a separate thing to the additional content. Because um, I was going to say, they also made like fish Katamari Damasi. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, no, I didn't realize those were the same thing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's a it's about a different kind of depression than, like, the first one is. It's not, like, about a transient state that's, like, a, it's like a dark fog that falls over you. This is a thing, this is about a situation that you're not getting out of. This is what the title refers to, the last one and then another. It's like, this, you know, you say to yourself, this is going to be the last day, and then another one comes, and then another one, and then another one. And it's about being in an inescapably bad situation. And you are, and interestingly, you're engaged in one-sided conversation with a honestly pretty funny chemical burn victim the whole way through. Which is just like a human face staring up, just staring down at you from on high. <laughs> well, you're like a fish blob. Yeah. As you're like rolling around until finally, until finally you get big enough to consume him. Good. Yeah. And it seems to be, and the and the chemical burn angle is more like, it seems that this is like a tie-in with the forthcoming game they're making, mouthwashing, which, of course, I am going to look into. Oh, yeah. Because there's even like a, because they even put the trailer for that game in there, and that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bold marketing move. I, I appreciate it. I like it when you straightforwardly put the trailer in there. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if, if you're not going to promote you, then who is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it feels like it feels like a lot of the time there are like uh, it feels like a lot of the time you get stuff like people kind of being content to remain obscure. But I like it when I, I like it when I play a game that I love and it tells me to buy a different game that I'll probably love. Yeah, I'm here for people promoting themselves. Honestly, like if I like your shit, I'll probably like more of your shit. Yeah, like this is, I think. T- I think how Fish is made is just, like, completely turned around my perspective on, like, what it means to have, like, a tiny game. Because this is, like... Like, you know how What Remains of Edith Finch? There are a lot of things that people remember about that game, but the one thing that people do remember always is the fish packing level. Yeah, there's a... There's a level in that game where you're playing a, uh... Where you're playing one of Edith Finch's relatives who is, you know... He's a creative type, he likes to draw, do stuff like that, and of course that means that he works in a cannery. And well, yeah. Able to, like, a, exercise any of those creative impulses yeah you can't be a creative man hb that's fucking gay you have to work in the yeah. cannery with the fish yeah yeah you gotta, you gotta support your family of incredibly uh of you know very very cursed relatives and he works at the fish packing plant and the entire premise of that level is that you are just kind of 
So you're doing one task, which is you're lifting a... Uh, like, fish appear at your workstation. You have to pick them up, cut off their heads, and deposit them in a tray so it goes up the assembly line. That's all you have to do. And then, simultaneously, you are daydreaming about... Uh, you're daydreaming about, like, increasingly elaborate fantasy worlds that you're doing simultaneously as you're doing this incredibly monotonous work. Now... How Fish is made is, like, if that one level was just, like, a game, and if there wasn't a fantasy world in there, it was just about the incredibly terrible aesthetics of, like, fish fish canneries. Yeah. What if that- what if the level in the whaling place in Dishonored was just that? Yeah. What if your favorite level from several games was just its own game? Fifteen minutes long. You, you get just the incredible bit. Yeah, it's, like, it's really, like, I love, like, short, sweet, to the point, pretty much everything. Um, if you've been edited by me, like, you probably know that to be true. Um, <laughs> but... I have. Yeah, I, I like things snappy, baby. Um, yeah. and this is, like, peak. Like, this is what peak performance looks like. Yeah. Yeah, like, I've seen short and sweet games, but I've never seen them be this short and this sweet. And, like, yeah, this short and, like, this cohesive. Because, like, a lot of the time I feel like you get, like, a game that's, like, that, that is this short that's kind of, like, skinnamarink energy, where it's more of, like, a vibe than, like, a full thing that's being executed. Whereas mm -hmm. this is, like, no, this is, like, uh, this is a narrative, this is an experience, this is, like, a rumination on themes, and it's all just really fucking compact and good. Yeah, they got it all in there. Yeah, I'm so impressed. Yeah, get it. Play it. It's 50 minutes of your time. Mm -hmm. The best 50 minutes you could possibly spend. I think it's free, too, isn't it? Yeah. It won't even cost you any money. It's just 15 minutes. Play it. Yeah. Itch.io. It'll be linked in the description. How fish is made. How fish you is too made. can gain the secret knowledge. All right, HB, why don't you tell me about your first game? Okay, my first game is a little game called Faith. That's all capitals, Faith, the Unholy Trinity. I just so, want to say that this is this naming convention is going to be a theme for HB throughout the episode. Yeah, <laughs> it is a theme <laughs> of two points. That's one. That's exactly one line. I just, I just like games that have colons in them. You know. <laughs> I've you noticed that. You give me a colon and I'm like, fuck yeah. I love I love the multi-part <laughs> nature of this title. It's a 2022 release by Airdorf, published by New Blood, and it's a collection of three episodes of like little horror games. And in these horror games, you play a Catholic priest whose career was defined by a botched exorcism performed on a young girl, and he's looking to make amends and find a way to live with himself. Now, That's normally, a really incredible premise. Yeah. Well, buckle up, because it gets better. The trouble here is, the demons are real. They're very much real. This girl was genuinely possessed by a demon. So he genuinely fucked up getting rid of the demon, then? Yeah. Completely fucked it. Absolutely ruined everything. Oof. And worse still, there has, there's actually quite a lot of demons, because it turns out there's a lot of Catholic priests around fucking up exorcisms, and quite a lot of demons around beside that. <laughs> I feel like they should be getting their licenses revoked. Yeah, well, the Catholic Church isn't very good about that generally. I'm not sure if you've yeah. heard. 
You know what? You're right. I re- I take it back. <laughs> yeah, they're not. Uh, I mean, you say that, but also it's it's not it's not super clearly spelled out in the game. But they also almost certainly fired you from the priesthood for messing up. So you're not oh, even like a so properly like licensed. A priest. So you're like a rogue priest. Yeah. Now, then that's basically the that's basically the thing. You're going back to the house where you fucked it all up. And you're going to do this exorcism right this time, or at least, you know, do something to, like, fix everything. And, of course, demons being real, this is going to be a pretty tall order. You can't just, like, apologize or anything. Not even to the demon. <laughs> I mean, the demon's probably happy you fucked up, right? Yeah, the demon... Honestly, you meet the demon in this game, the demon seems pretty chuffed about being out there. Yeah, I feel like the demon would be like, hell yeah, my dude, you're my bro. Yeah, this is kind of this is also kind of a running theme throughout the rest of this game where you're just kind of entangled with this entire increasingly demonic world you happen to be living in. There's, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of encroachment on demons on just about everything in here. And it's kind of so the thing you might be noticing is that there's a lot of like is that this is a very 80s styled kind of premise, right? This is like this is like not exorcist but like one step removed from exorcist. This is like in the 80s, we're doing a movie... We're, we're doing, like, Exorcist 3. We're doing, like, Exorcist... Yeah. <laughs> like, one of the later Exorcist movies, where it's, like... This is, like, the, the Exorcist version of Jason X a little bit. Like, we're starting to get yeah. into that. Yeah. And part of that is that uh, there's a... Like, this is kind of a... Most of this game runs on, like, a really straight-faced execution of, like, satanic panic stuff. Which is... But not as objectionable as that immediately sounds. There is, like... There's, like, some kind of shaky stuff. There is an abortion clinic in episode 3 that's, like, a... Eh, if if the execution on that. But there's... But overall, it's, like, it's actually... It's actually remarkably smooth, for the most part. And I think a part of this is that the game just has a really good look. It's, it looks incredible. So, it's doing a... It's doing, like, a retro look, but it's imitating old computer games. Specifically, mm-hmm. like, a ZX Spectrum uh, computer game. Like, the one where you don't have, like, full-color graphics, the whole screen is, uh... The whole screen is just completely black, with, like, outlines drawn on it. Like, there's the outline of you, there's, like, the outlines of demons and stuff like that, there's a lot of, uh, love, that kind of thing. There's also incredibly janky computer-synthesized voices. <laughs> <laughs> and the game pulls this off so charmingly, it does, like, super old-fashioned voice synth. <laughs> where it plays a blow... Where it plays a voice that like sounds barely even human, and this is like for NPCs and demons, and also like for and also for people just in general. So there's like, you are, uh, it it grows in sophistication over the course of the episodes as it should, because I think the oldest one of these is from like 2017 or something. Like this has been a long time in the making. They start out the visuals start out pretty bare. But they grow in sophistication. So the original is, like, one house, there's, like, several screens of woods, there's a little spider guy that runs after you, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And and in the final episodes, it gets so involved. There's, like, so so many interesting little bits of visual that they manage to put down with, like, the graphics design that they're doing. And probably the most striking part of this is that there are rotoscoped pieces of animation in this game that serve as, like, little shortcut scenes. I think if you want, to, I think if you want to get a good look at what this game looks like, I would recommend looking at the Unholy Trinity launch trailer. It's an absolute fucking banger of a trailer that shows you just basically what this game is going to be about. It has actually also has 
most of the rotoscoped pieces of animation already in there. And all of this comes together to just have like a it it has a really unique look and a really interesting design that just makes the most of. Like the monsters really pop visually. And there's incredible sounds in there too. Just a really well designed game. It's a as 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 the design itself goes, it looks uh it's a as a as a frankly quite hilariously simple mechanical structure. <laughs> so you're a priest, even if not really officially. What you're doing is not sanctioned by the Vatican. The game makes abundantly clear. You're not mm-hmm. the Pope did not tell you to do this. <laughs> Which I mean, between the Catholic Church is Yes, you know how they feel about the Pope. And anyway, so you're a priest, and in typical exorcist style, demons don't like it when you try to ward them off with the power of Christ. Which is to say, you kind of thrust your golden crucifix out at them. So, let's say a demon is coming after you, and you want that demon to ideally fuck off, and maybe even die. And so you point the crucifix in their direction. This is, you can point the crucifix in one of four directions, which is up, down, left, or right. And this is basically the fighting mechanic of this game, where you have to anticipate which direction they're coming from and ward them off with the power of Christ appropriately. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Of course, demons are wily motherfuckers. They're gonna come at you from any number of directions. They're gonna, they're, they're gonna fucking blink around. They're gonna do that kind of thing. So you have to develop, like, you know, a quick draw instinct for your power of Christ and a good sense for where you want to point your power of Christ to, you know, properly compel them. Which is, you know, most of the time if a demon touches you, that's not going to end well for you. You're going to have a really, you're going to have a really bad time. You're usually going to die. The, the game is going to show your corpse and it's going to say in its computer-generated voice, Mortis. Loudly. <laughs> and, but luckily, for most of this game, you get to retry a given scene infinitely. If you do, if you know, if the unthinkable should happen and the power of Christ should not save you. And so it's not, so it's actually, despite the fact that it's, like, pretty intense at times, it's not very punishing. And it is really intense sometimes. As intense scares that are very well executed, it's a, it gets to be a pretty scary game in several places. There's, like, some sequences around, especially, like, in the later episodes, episodes two and three. Some, some of the best sequences I've played in a horror game. And... Of course, fans of God will be very, fans of God will be very pleased that Satan himself. Fans of God. Yeah, you know, I'm sure there's some listening to this podcast. Fans of God will be pleased to know that Satan himself does not make an appearance here, and the demon design generally veers a lot more eldritch. There isn't a lot of there's not even I guess there are some pentagrams in there, but not basically nothing more satanic than that. So yeah, that's faith. It's a Really kind of, really kind of unique product, you know? It's a... I was very pleased to have played that. I love, uh, I just love the art style so much in particular. Hell yeah. Literally. Yeah, literally. Although I am a little bit bummed that apparently Satan doesn't show up. I was kind of expecting you'd be like, yeah, and then this priest has to, like, fight the devil. You do get something like that, but it's not like... It's like, uh... It it goes it goes into the eldritch direction, and there are there are fucked up devil like figures, but not like uh, but but nobody at any point is like ah this is Satan. But also, Damn. I did not get I did not get like the bonus boss fight at the uh, at the very end of the game. I did not like pay enough attention to the clues to like maybe unlock that final encounter. 
maybe, you know, maybe the big man himself does appear. Although in this case, it seems to be like... Although in this case, although what what seems to be going on in episodes where he seems to be more like an evil Virgin Mary kind of thing, so, well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You can call in later and report for your findings if you play this game. (laughs) Cool. Love that for her. Yeah. I think I actually see her, see like what that is in the trailer. There's like, uh, there's a very interesting image in there of like a, like a woman whose face is a portal to hell or something like that. Don't you just hate it when your face ends up being a portal to hell? Yeah, it's fucked up. Either when that This happens. is a great QVC commercial. Ladies, don't you hate it when your face becomes a portal to hell? With this cream. Uh, we've all been there, ladies. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's about all I have to say about this. Faith, the unholy trinity. Good shit. Hell yeah. Alright, well, my first game is Amanda the Adventurer, which is a 2023 game um, from Mingled Maw Games, and it was published by uh, horror publisher DreadXP. And uh, it also just, like, recently came to Switch within, like, the past couple weeks. Um, but I played it first on PC and I streamed a little bit of it on the Uppercut channel, but basically it's like an escape room kind of game where you are in the attic of a house and you're like following the notes of someone and you're basically like watching these VHS tapes of an edutainment show called Amanda the Adventurer of this little girl (laughs) and this sheep named Wooly. Um, And as you watch the tapes, they get progressively more like fucked up and disturbing and they kind of lead you to different clues about what you're supposed to do with different objects within the attic so that you can get more tapes and advance the story. Um, and it's creepy. And I had a moment where I got like a bad ending and got eaten by a scary monster and it was frightening. Um, I also just like, if you're into the idea of like analog VHS tape style horror, if you like the idea of creepy kids show stuff, um, which has been a very popular thing this year because, um, my Friendly Neighborhood also came out this year. That is, mm-hmm. like, what if Resident Evil was Sesame Street. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's... It's ooky spooky, and if you like escape room stuff and, like, those kind of puzzles, it's definitely an interesting one for that. Um, it is yeah. in first person and a little shaky, which does make me, like, a little motion sick at times, but I think that's more a me thing than the game. Yeah, well, that's kind of an important thing. Like, I've, I've definitely given, like, Outer Wilds to somebody who I later found out gets motion sickness. Yeah. Um, and so, it, yeah, this isn't too bad. About. This isn't too bad for that, especially because you can, like, play it in kind of short bursts, um, too, if you do feel, like, either sick or, like, too scared. Um, but yeah, it's a good, creepy little game. I have one question. Yes. So, Amanda, 
a man of the adventure that's like uh that's like a video that you watch in the game right yes does she turn to the screen and ask you fucked up questions yeah yeah she does she absolutely absolutely does. okay yeah they would have really dropped the ball if they didn't do that yeah it's fully like like in dora the explorer when she like asks the audience questions and like mm -hmm. waits in silence for the children to presumably speak at their tv screen like it's like that but like progressively more fucked up things yeah 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 exactly it's like uh, that's you know that's the right thing to have done that's what I would have expected it to do, and it's good that they did it. Yeah. Yeah. It is, like, fully what you would expect from this kind of game in, like, a good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, just like a, you know, we, we were just talking about how great it is to have, like, a very well-scoped game. Mm-hmm. Where sometimes you just know what you're doing and you do it. Yeah. And they, and especially like if you're someone who like likes seeing multiple endings or like getting different states, like it's all, it's all in here. So Des would recommend. Um, I haven't, I have it for Switch, but I haven't really tried it yet, so I don't know how well it runs there. But it's definitely fine on PC. Um, so yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. So what, what type of scary monster are we talking here, though? Um. You can kind of see it in, like, some of the GIFs and stuff on the Steam page. It is, like, uh, I would say creepy and crawly. It's, like, a humanoid, gray, skeletal thing that, like, crawls up walls and has big claws and teeth and a lot of eyeballs. And... Ooh, a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, a lot of eyeballs. I, that's one of my favorite type of things in the monster. I love a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, it has like like kind of like spider energy in terms of the eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a yeah, like arrangement and everything. It's like it's more spider than like multiocular O. Yeah, I would say so. But it's okay, also like a yeah. big blob of lots of eyes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's like that's that's nice and Eldritch, I love that. Yeah, it's pretty scary. I think the first time I saw it when we were streaming, I think I genuinely like screamed. It was, I, it, it's scary. God, you, you love it when that happens in the game. Yeah, it's like Pure it's natural just content. It's just good, like horror. It's just like it's not trying to necessarily like. I'm sure there is like probably some commentary in there to a degree, but like. It's just trying to be scary. It's just trying to be a creepy, fucked up thing. And it is. Yeah, because <sighs> yeah, I, I was thinking that first, you were saying, like, Amanda the Adventurer, and I was like, hmm, that sounds innocuous. What, what, what's happening here? And then you mentioned the Door of the Explorer parallel, and I was like, oh, I see. Yeah, it's exactly that. Like, Wooly is absolutely her boots, except she says, like, progressively more fucked up things to Wooly, and Wooly is like, ah! <laughs> Wooly's afraid too! Fuck! Wooly is, no, Wooly is deeply afraid, and Wooly also talks to the camera, and Wooly is like, you don't have to answer that question. <laughs> yes! Okay, now that she, I was, uh, I'm now much more on board now that I know that Wooly is an ally. Oh yeah, no. Wooly is an ally and also a hostage. Yeah, that's the best kind of ally, really. And a victim, because <laughs> Amanda She's does hurt better. him. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a pair of boots, you know? So, yeah. That's kind of what you're supposed to do with your boots. God. That's the logic of the, that's the, logic of the setting. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well, tell me about your next game, HB. Okay. My next game is Hexcraft, Harlequin Fair. This is a 2021 RPG by Oleander Garden, published by Hexcode Coven. It's, you know, on itch, stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. Ty, I want to transport you. Imagine it's the year 1999, and you're in Toronto, that distant mythical city. Okay. I'm four years old, I'm in Toronto. <laughs> imagine if you were much older than that, like in your 20s or something. Okay. And imagine that you were playing a transgender witch who's living in a Toronto that's seemingly under perpetual night. You know, like, we're, do we're dealing with, like, vampire to masquerade conditions here. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say, this sounds very VTM to me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Toronto, as you might expect, isn't looking too good. It's got an overabundance of cults, the undead, it's got werewolves, even, now and again. There's a lot of druids <laughs> going around causing problems. There's, uh... Just in general, things are a little bit fucked. And anyway, you you play Vivian, who is, as mentioned, a... I mean, you're, you're probably Vivian. The game isn't entirely clear on who you are. But you're probably Vivian, a transgender witch. Estradiol is a power-up that you sometimes need. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah. And to, deal, and to deal with the problems that I mentioned before, like that there's, you know, cults, the undead, werewolves, all, cops, all, all kinds of other things, you have the power of magical spells powered by crystal light. You can also brew potions from gasoline, cooking oil, acid, and various herbs. Wait, and also, you mean crystal yeah. light like the drink, like crystal light TM? Actually, maybe. I'm not Canadian. I would not know what Crystal Light necessarily is. It's not It's not capitalized, but I suspect that might be what it is. It's pictured as a crystal, so, you know. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Is it spelled light, like like normal light, or like L-I-T-E? Uh, normal light, like, uh, like just, okay. the, just a physical phenomenon. Not the okay, then I think it's just magic shit. Yeah. I mean... I imagine that might be an intentional parallel to some degree. It seems like an interesting thing to just call it. Anyway, you also brew potions, being a witch, and you brew them from a liquid and an herb. And the liquid is usually, like I mentioned, gasoline, cooking oil, or acid. And then finally, there's the third and honestly most expedient solution to most of your problems, a gun. If, once you find the gun, every, the game becomes much easier, because you can start shooting things a lot. And anyway, are you are you familiar with any of Oleander Garden's games? No. Yeah. Well, uh, Oleander Garden does games that are about these, like trans poetic games about defunct worlds. So it's uh, this is a kind of it's a subtle trans poetic game. Well, not that subtle. Like Estradiol is a consumable power up, and there's also a lot of arcane and transgressive themes of witchcraft in here. It's kind of it's kind of spooky and eerie. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a, uh, it, it's got lo-fi 3D aesthetics, it's got very sparse prose, and also, just the, just the city of Toronto in here is kind of fucked up. There's, like, tombs everywhere, there's tunnels, strange places, a lot of half-done occult rituals, you go to a midway, and there's, like, a, uh, there's, like, a magic show where you can, there's a magic show where nobody's at, and you can just kind of, if you, if you get a summoning sigil, you can summon a demon, that kind of thing. There's also magical implements lying around everywhere. And it's kind of worryingly scary. 
like you can get a lot of you can get a lot of stuff uh, you can get into a lot of shit in this game so the basic thing you're doing here like one of your girlfriends has asked you to find her star charts and not giving you any more to go on than that so you kind of set off into the night and get into and get into Toronto so you go down into you go down for example into the path system and it's just fucking dark down there <laughs> you have you have only one potential light source, and that works only during a full moon. <laughs> Great. And that's usually not going to be the case. So instead, you just kind of go down there, and you kind of have to venture into the dark and hope for the best. There aren't even that many enemies in here. It's just how eerie the game is that kind of wigs me out. This is also true of all of all other Oli Undergardens games. Like they're just, I just really perfectly managed to play with the eerie here. Yeah, uh, honestly, the scariest games to me are the ones that just have, like, really rancid or, like, scary or, like, eerie vibes that just, like, keep you on edge. Like, oh, yeah. That shit is so scary to me. Uh-huh. There's, like... Uh, yeah, this is... So, it's eerie, it's scary, and also, another thing that's kind of, that's kind of going on in this game is that as you play it, you increasingly turn up into... Increasingly turn into like a fucked up cultist as you pursue the mysteries of this game because it's like not at all straightforward what you're supposed to be doing. You're just kind of fucking around and seeing what you can do. So, the first problem you run into in this game is that you need money to eat, or you know, you'll get hungry and your health will stop regenerating, and you might get mm -hmm. killed by somebody if that happens. Uh, you also need to buy like reagents or potions. This would, for example, include like acid. And then, of course, you also need light crystals from the Desert Pilgrim. Uh, the Desert Pilgrim sells them from their van. Now, mm -hmm. there are also dungeons around, but the problem is none of those contain money. There's, like, nothing... Uh, just, like, nothing of saleable value in them. Instead, the way that you get money is by murdering people or robbing cash registers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you can do that... Uh, and there's two ways to do this. First, first of all, you can try to kill the local police, or, well, what is the much easier option? You can open up a nearby dungeon, lure some monsters out, and they can get into a gunfight with the police. And that makes it much easier. Because the monsters are pretty tough in this game, but the police can't really compete for the most part. <laughs> and, yeah, so you, can get the, so you can get them all killed, and then you can just kind of walk around like a shopping district, emptying all the registers for like 50 bucks a piece. And then leave, and it's like, hell yeah, I got money now. <laughs> I love that this is like, what if Grand Theft Auto, but urban fantasy, and also very trans? Yeah. It's not even Grand Theft Auto, like, you, you have your own car for one, and you, you don't steal anything, and you're also just not that tough at the end of the day. Well, I thought you said you steal cash registers, or from cash registers, don't you? Yeah. That's more and like you, opportunistic. And you, and you steal corpse money. Yeah. But the thing is, you it, you have a long way to go in in this game before you can start reliably making corpse money of your own. So the, so at first you kind of have to be like a you're more of a thief than a murderer, you know. Mm. The murderer part comes a little later. So what you also need is tarot cards. You need to enhance your abilities by picking up, for example, the King of Cups, which increases your armor. And these cards are carried dynamically through the city by various NPCs, who are, of course, fellow queer folk of the night. 
you know, it's really mind-stopping and chatting with you in a friendly fashion. You can ask them things, and they go like, uh, oh yeah, I heard there was like, uh, I heard there was this happening over here, and, and such like. Just gonna have like a friendly, but, you know, slightly distant chat with them. And once you realize that they're carrying tarot cards, and some of those tarot cards that you absolutely need, you are gonna have to start getting getting them killed, too. You need their stuff. They have good stuff. Unlike the police, they don't respond. Instead, what starts happening is that the game world starts getting saturated with vampires in the streets who try to shoot you with silenced pistols. <laughs> because you killed people? Yeah, because there's because the game just kind of starts running out of NPCs. By the end, when you start getting real deep into this game, it's like you're kind of the only one left alive. Oh god. Yeah, and it adds to the overall vibe of this game, which is the like I like I mentioned, uh the first series of Oleander games was Pagan, which was about like a defunct MMORPG. And this game kinda has that vibe. This one is uh everything in this game feels like kind of accidental a little bit, like a little emptier than it should be. It's it's like there used to be more here, but this just kind of eroded and you're walking through it and trying to piece it back together. It's like a really beautiful and really specific vibe you can get into. Mm-hmm. Especially now that it's Toronto in 1999, which never stops amusing me. And, yeah, in addition to the base game, there's also... Like, you know, once you've had your fill of the base game, once you've understood about as much of the game as you can... I think I actually cleared the original game, because, you know, I went, <laughs> I went to hell and fought a demon. <laughs> I did get my Satan content in there, you know? There we go. Yeah. Hexcraft! What it has over faith is that Satan does definitely appear, or Abaddon, you know that kind of thing, like a like real some like kind real of biblical devil, kind of yeah, something of that nature. And after you've cleared that, there's also an expansion pack, Harbor Dawn, uh, which kind of reshuffles the map and the items, like all the stuff that occurs every place, and shifts the season from like summer or autumn to winter. It's kind of like a new game plus, because you sort of know what you're doing the second time around. But everything is kind of shifted its location, so you're kind of like, uh... You're kind of getting into this and being like, Okay, I'm armed with some knowledge here. But the knowledge is not entirely current anymore. And it's just... It's just really compelling. I sat down with it for like two days. It's like... You get like ten hours of like good stuff out of it, I think. Surprisingly... Surprisingly extensively featured. That feels like a good length to me. Yeah. It's not too long, but it is long enough to slightly melt your brain. And that's and that's why I recommend it heartily for anybody who's, who's a fan of eerie vibes. But yeah, that's about all I got about Harlequin Fair. Alrighty. My last game is called Let's Meet Adam, with meat spelled as in, like, food meat, not M-E-E-T. <laughs> um... <laughs> And it is described as a Bara visual novel um, that is a murder mystery escape room type deal that's also like a visual novel. Um, and it is made by Souls of Tea. And um, it's, yeah, so on the surface, it's like this kind of silly premise of like, it's all these, um, this... Uh, this very like traditionally hot 
a white gay dude named Adam has just moved to West Hollywood to pursue either being an actor or a model or a life coach or a fitness guru. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And while he's there, he makes a friend named Vince and who's also like an aspiring actor. And both of them like want to go to this, like there's this big escape room mansion that has popped up and it's like really exclusive to where like you can only go if you get an invite and both of them get invited to go on the same night. So they go and um, they meet all these other gay guys of like varying types. And then there's also like a very famous actor who shows up um, and they're all planning to, you know, like do the escape room or whatever. And then of course, during the first escape room, section the really famous actor is murdered in front of everybody um and so then it's revealed like ooh, like this is gonna be like some saw shit like you have to solve the puzzles and stuff to live um and so like it seems like it's just gonna be like you know kind of a scary campy romp at first but it is also like a pretty scathing critique of like traditional white cis men in like gay culture and like especially the ones that are like no fats no femmes no asians like that kind um Mm -hmm. it's a pretty pretty harsh critique of them while also the ending like i don't know kind of walks some of that back in a way that i don't know that i love um Mm -hmm. i kind of wanted it to just lean fully into the like fuck these guys um but it's like if you like fucked up murderous gay men, which I do historically. Um, <laughs> oh yes, I watched Hannibal. Uh, I love Hannibal. Also, huge Sander Cohen stan. He's the best part of Bioshock. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, if uh, if if you like me, love murderous gay men and just like wild campy horror stuff. That's also like pretty tense. In sections, like, there's especially, like, the last section where you're trying to escape is, like, scary. Um, and there's also a sequel, so if you play it and you like it, there's another one. That is also, like, there's more. Ooh. Like, murderous gay men. Yeah, there's more murderous gay men, and it's... Um, it's also, like, a, a weird critique thing, but I think they lost the plot a little bit more in the second one in terms of that stuff. Um, yeah. but it's still a fun well, time. Well, yeah, I can also see how, you know, if you're making a, if you're making a game, how you wouldn't be like, hell yeah, finally somebody to put gay men in their place. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I think the second one is more about, like, the porn industry, um, and I think, yeah, I think the critique side of it kind of loses the plot more, but, um, it's wild. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. God, If you like murder. me, Sicko. <laughs> murder is my favorite, murder is one of my favorite crimes. Yeah, I would say top ten crime, top five. Yeah, the crime of crimes. The king the of king's crimes. crime. <laughs> no, the king's crime is tax evasion. <laughs> well, you're, if you're the king, you're the one collecting taxes. And thus evading them. I guess that's true, yeah. But yeah. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. I also think the artwork is really, really great. 
Um, but yeah. but yeah, that's that's it. That's all I got. Um, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I say in whenever this is being recorded in not October. <laughs> Listen, it's about the it's about the spirit. It's about the intention. My neighbors have one of those giant uh, Home Depot skeletons up in their yard. So yeah, ten foot skeleton. Yeah, so you know it's the season. Um, yeah, but yeah, HB, where can people find find you and your stuff? You can find my stuff at gm36.itch.io. That's gm36.itch.io. Get some RPGs for free at gm36.itch.io. Every time you say that, I love that you sound like like the car salesman that has one of the wacky inflatable arm guys in front of like a like a car um yeah. lot. Like, do you want RPGs? Do you want used RPGs? New RPGs? We've got them all. Uh huh. That's true. <laughs> I think I think I'd love to. Ever since I watched Nope, I've wanted to live life like one of those inflatable inflatable tube men. I mean, they've kind of got it made. Yeah hardly do better <laughs> um and you can find me on all of the various and sundry social medias at a woth keeper um and you can find uppercut at uppercut crit or at uppercut on blue sky specifically um and if you like what we do and want to support us of course please head over to patreon.com slash uppercut crit um, and yeah, we will be back next time with another spooky little episode for y'all before we head into the, uh, the cold, dark winter ahead. Hell yeah. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.